Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 and 6 and 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. How do you see this old world? Oh, how do you soak it all in? Oh, where did you come from and why are you here? And what does it all really mean? Am I just here to make money? Or die in the vain quest for peace? How can I find out if there's truth in the world? Or shall I just live as I please? I've been told that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the only life worth living here today. I've been told that Jesus is the truth that all the world needs to know. The one in whom consists all things is the one who loves me so. Follow your heart and your feelings is all my friends seem to believe. There has to be more than this earth has in store before this shall ceases to breathe. Could it be Christ is my Savior? He's proven himself in the past. By walking on water and raising the dead, ascending triumphant at last. Now I know that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the only life worth living here today. Now I know that Jesus is the truth at all. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices, together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. That was Isaiah chapter 52, verses 7 through 10. You know, there's so many passages from Isaiah that are kind of read uh, aloud and kind of on people's hearts and minds during this time of the year with it, you know, being Christmas time where there's so much focus on on Jesus coming and his birth. But, you know, I, I want us to see through that, that it's not so much just about his birth, but about all that that represents 
that it's this plan of God that God has had since really before the foundation of the earth. That's what the Bible tells us. And whenever we look at passages like this, we see that there is this good news that we must proclaim, which by the way, good news is the same word as gospel in the New Testament. That gospel that we proclaim is that salvation comes, that your God reigns. In this sense, your God reigns through Jesus Christ. He is the king above all kings. We already uh, read earlier the passage from Isaiah 9 that we see all these different names of this child who is going to be born, this wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. We see all these words that Jesus is going to come into this world and fulfill in so many ways. Even this passage, once again, from Isaiah 52, talks about God redeeming Israel. And up to the point of Jesus, Israel was waiting this time to see the salvation of their God. And now we can boldly proclaim this gospel that has come to us through Jesus Christ. Now I want to share with you a passage that is oftentimes overlooked this time of year and whenever we're talking about the birth of Jesus, because really this goes back even to before the birth of Jesus, but it teaches us about this wonderful plan that God has had about sending Jesus as the greatest gift to mankind. So we're going to look at another title that Jesus has given, and that is the Word of God. From my favorite of the Gospels, John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, he begins his Gospel like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. I love how John starts his gospel. I love the rest of, of John chapter one, but especially this because it tells us that yes, we see the birth of Jesus here in verse 14, that this word that has been referenced here, he became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. And it speaks about his glory, which the rest of the gospel is going to, to really look into uh, great detail about this glory of Jesus Christ. But we see the, the word that was made flesh. Backing up to verse 1, we see a wonderful outline that John is going to, to answer so many of these questions. We see this first phrase, in the beginning was the word. We have the when question about it. Well, when was the word? Well, he's always existed in the beginning, you know, before the beginning. I love how John starts in the beginning, just like the book of Genesis, which, by the way, is one of my favorite books from the Old Testament. But we see that there's a new beginning. There's a new beginning that comes to us in this word that has really always existed. So when we're talking about before time began, because in the beginning he already was. The next phrase, and the word was with God. Now we see this relationship type thing, being with God. 
And we also see, as you uh, continue to, to read through John's gospel, that Jesus was not just with God, but he invites all of us as humans to join this relationship with our Heavenly Father. So we see the when, we see the with whom, in this case, with God, and now we also see that final phrase from verse 1, and the word was God. Now we see that he was God, or, or rather we would say he is God. That is so powerful, so wonderful, because now we see the, the identity of Jesus Christ, this glory of Jesus Christ, and it all comes down to this wonderful plan that God has had to send his word, the word of God, that word that became a human being and made his dwelling among us. He did this for so many reasons to show us the way so that we can have this relationship with our Heavenly Father. And Jesus Christ has done all these great things. This is the gospel. This is the good news that we are called to proclaim. Another passage, uh, another writer, uh, this time the book of Hebrews. He starts off his book like this in Hebrews chapter 1. Verses 1 through 4, we see this wonderful praise of the Son, the Son, Jesus Christ. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. In this passage, in this, this whole chapter of Hebrews 1, we see that time and time again, his son, in verse 2, is lifted up. His son is superior, much superior, as what verse 4 says. And we see so many wonderful things about the son. The same things that are mentioned right here, we saw from John 1, because it's the same person. Jesus Christ is the son. Jesus Christ is the word of God that has come into the world, and he has made the world. This idea for Jesus to come at the, during the last days, it wasn't a last-minute decision at all. It was one that God had planned since before the beginning. And Jesus Christ was well aware of this and, and fully uh, on board with this whole mission of God. The rest of Hebrews 1 continues to uplift him. And, and in this case, the, the next slide I want to prepare you for, uh, don't get lost in, in this because so many times people will say that Hebrews 1 is about angels. It's not about angels. Uh, the only way that it is about angels is it contrasts the angels with the sun. And it shows the sun is so much greater than the angels. Look, Let's look at the different ways. And notice this relationship that is there with the sun. Verses 5 through 12. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I've become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment. 
You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment, they will be changed. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. Notice how much the son is lifted up. The word of God is lifted up. He is called a son, this wonderful term of endearment that is not given to the angels, but is given to Jesus Christ. You are my son, as stated in verse 5. We see in verse 6 that the angels worship him. If the angels worship him, it only makes sense that we would worship him as well. His throne is mentioned in verse 8 because he is going to, to rule with the scepter of justice. This is going to be his kingdom. He loves righteousness. He hates wickedness. He is all about these things that are good, these things that are godly. In verse 9, it says that he is uh, this, this talking about anointing you with the oil of joy. By the way, anointing, uh, being the anointed one, is the word Messiah. That would be the word that we have for Christ, because Jesus is the Christ. He is the anointed one, the one that is anointed with the oil of joy. He's also anointed with the Holy Spirit and, and, and other things as well. But this is the Son. He is so wonderful. And we can boldly proclaim all of these wonderful things about him. He remains. He is constant. The world around us might change from time to time. In fact, it will change from time to time. The, the way that, that uh, you know, kind of creation is described right here in verse 11 is that, uh, you know, they're going to wear out like a garment. They're going to be rolled up. But... Jesus, our God, he remains the same. His years will never end. This is our amazing God. We see this time and time again that this has always been what God has wanted from us. I want to look at one final passage, this time from the words of Paul in the book of Titus. In Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, notice this wonderful message, this wonderful good news of salvation that we are called to proclaim today. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his own eager to do what is good. Notice that this gospel message that we proclaim, it is that our God has appeared and he offers salvations to all people. This is our God. We also see that we now, you know, right now, he helps us to live godly lives in this present age. But then also we have this hope as verse 13 says, and this hope is that there is yet to be an appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's already done these things to redeem us. He's already done all these, these things the first time that he came to purify us. And he was all the while eager to do what is good. This is what the gospel is all about. The ability to follow Jesus Christ and the hope to know that he is coming back again. All the while, God has been very eager to do what is good. Can we also share in his eagerness to do what is good? Let's make sure that we do. I hope that we, that we will uh, be eager to do what is good as well. Let's proclaim this good news, this gospel message 
that Isaiah says that we will have beautiful feet if we proclaim this good news to others. Let's also make sure that we take part in God's wonderful plan, this plan that he has had since the very beginning to send the word of God, this powerful word of God into the world to give us hope, to give us life, to set us free, to redeem us. That is what our God has done. Let's make sure that we take part in his wonderful plan. And let's make sure all the while to recognize and to share the glory of Jesus Christ. He is so glorious. He is worthy of our praise. Let's make sure that we are eager to do what is good. Let's find ways to do it and let's do good as we follow Jesus Christ. Thank you.